everybody, and welcome to the Out to Be podcast. It is your host, Katie Zaccardi. And on today's episode, I'm going to do a little solo episode where we're going to talk about the four tendencies by Gretchen Rubin. So I'm really excited to talk about this. We'll keep this episode rather short compared to the other ones, but this is something that I've used in my coaching practice for a while now, actually, because it's really great to understand how you uphold expectations and boundaries and things like that. And especially for my clients who... um, are doing courses or are doing programs and want to grow their businesses or when I was a wellness coach I used it a lot too because you know you need those expectations you need to uphold your expectations in order to keep habits and things like that and the four tendencies is so useful for figuring out how you actually navigate that world and therefore what you can do to help yourself stay accountable. So before we dive into the juiciness of that I want to mention that The Audience Builder Bundle is always open for enrollment, but it is a great time to grab it. And the reason I'm bringing this up now is because we're actually updating the bundle with a series of live trainings happening this week and and another week in September. And so if you've been thinking about getting the Audience Builder Bundle, if you want to grow your audience, if you want to grow your reach, if you want to get more fans or get more clients in your business, this is the perfect bundle for you. In this bundle, we walk through all of the different social media platforms to help you figure out which platform you should use based on your interest, how you like to use social media, and where your audience is at. And then you can go deeper into which the strategy for that platform and really start to implement the strategy that is going to help you grow. We talk about how to figure out your brand pillars, how to create content, how to overcome mindset blocks around social media and so much more. So it's really the all encompassing course that you need to master social media and to grow on socials. So if you want to grab it, you can head to katiezacardi.com slash audience builder bundle, and it is right there for you. As soon as you enroll, you'll get access to the bundle and you'll get an invite to invite to join us live on the trainings that we are doing as we update the bundle. So these are guest trainings where we have guest speakers coming in and sharing their expertise um, on whatever platform they're talking about. So this way you can ask questions and really get that information live. Okay, one more thing with that. If you have wanted to join this, or maybe you even have the Audience Builder Bundle, but you kind of want some support and accountability to go through it, send me a DM on Instagram at Katie Zaccardi or email me katie at katiezaccardi.com because I have something really special for you. I am doing an intensive session, a group intensive session, super small group for a select number of people. I've had some questions about this. We've had some demand for this. So in the month of September... Not only if you join, would you get Audience Builder Bundle, the live guest trainings, but you would also get a four-week group coaching call intensive with me so that you would have the accountability and the support to implement, work through, uh, and really strategize even further everything that you are learning inside of ABB. So if you want to grow your audience and you know you do better with accountability and with coaching or you just want that, this is going to be perfect for you. So it's kind of happening on the DL I'm not really promoting it, but I wanted to mention it here. And if this is of interest to you, go ahead and shoot me a DM on Instagram or just shoot me an email and we can get you set up for that, answer your questions, all that juicy stuff. Okay, so let's go ahead and dive into our episode all about the four tendencies. Yes, I did ask Gretchen Rubin to come on, but no, she couldn't come on. She's a very busy woman, (laughs) but I wanted to bring this to you anyway, so we are going to talk about it, like I said, on this little solo pod. Um, And 
before we dive in, I actually recommend that you take the quiz. Um, you're going to learn about it. We'll talk about it on this episode. But I think you should take the quiz because it's going to help put some context and help tell you which thing you might be, um, which tendency you might be right off the bat. So you can just Google four tendencies quiz or I think it's at GretchenRubin.com slash quiz to take the quiz. So I definitely recommend that you do that. When it comes to the four tendencies, these are basically personality profiles that reveal how to make your life better and how to make other people's lives better too. And as I've said before, they're mostly uh, based around expectations. So as it suggests, there are four of these tendencies. There are, so let's go through them briefly now. So the first one is an upholder. An upholder meets outer expectations and meets inner expectations. I'll tell you about what that means in a second. An obliger meets outer expectations and resists inner expectations. A rebel resists outer expectations and resists inner expectations. And a questioner resists outer expectations and meets inner expectations. So that alone might give you a little bit of context. You can kind of see where we're going here. Um, And if you took the quiz, you can figure out which one you are. And then we're going to dive a little bit deeper into it today and just talk about why I really like it and why I like to use it. I myself am a questioner, (laughs) which you probably won't be surprised by, especially when we talk more about it. Um, But again, it's super helpful to figure out what you are because I think that the way that you get things done, interact with others, and move forward in your path is so helpful, especially with this personality type. So for instance, I hear a lot of artists that will say like, I'm just not creative or not. No, they don't say that. (laughs) They say I'm just not able to do the business stuff. There we go. I'm just not able to like sit down and do the strategy. I just, I only want to be creative and it can be really hard to feel like you stay accountable. And a lot of them will say, a lot of people will say to me, I just don't have the time. It's an issue of time management. You know, I can't stay accountable when I'm doing it on my own. And honestly, all that's fine. Like it's fine. You just have to know yourself and you just have to know how you operate so that you can make sure that you do what you need to do to reach your goals. Because if you're someone who has these ambitious goals, but at the end of the day, you can't stay accountable to anybody, then what are you going to do? Or you can't stay accountable to yourself, but you have all these goals. Well, what are we going to do? How are we going to make sure that you put things in place so that you can actually go where you want to go? So let's dive into an upholder first. So upholders, um, which Gretchen Rubin herself who created this is an upholder. Upholders are readily able to meet outer expectations. So they basically are able to keep deadlines, keep track of appointments, keep track of meetings, commitments, manage tasks. Like they don't really need supervision. Um, I feel like a lot of Virgos are probably upholders. Like it's it's very much that Virgo energy where you're like, okay, or, or Capricorn energy even where you're just kind of like, okay, I know my to-do list. I'm going to make my list. I'm going to make my schedule. I'm going to get shit done. Like I'm organized. I know how to do this. One of my clients who's a Virgo, I know she was an upholder. <laughs> and um, I'm a Virgo rising. And so I have upholder tendencies in some ways, but we'll talk about that when we get to questioner. But you know, it's just that kind of energy where you know someone who's just like on top of it. Usually they are intrigued by rules. Like they tend to um, 
follow the rules, point blank. And I, I just want you guys to know as well, before we go any further, I'm actually using the Four Tendencies book as a reference here. I forgot to mention this at the beginning, but you can take the quiz online. And if you want to go deeper on this, I highly, highly, highly recommend that you get the book. We're going to do like an overview of it today. But the book is great because, of course, it's in Gretchen's own words and it goes even deeper into what we're talking about and how you can understand yourself and others and like work with others. So I highly recommend you grab the book. It's a super quick, easy, but great read. Uh, and I'm using this as a reference as we're talking to. Okay, so again, upholders will often follow the rules. You know, if there's like a list of rules or regulations, they'll pretty much just go with them. Uh, they don't mind doing what they need to do because they're just like, yeah, all right, I can uphold these outer expectations. And um, they also will uphold their inner expectations. So essentially, if somebody tells them to do something or asks of them to do something, they'll do it. And if they decide to do something themselves, they'll do it. Um, even, you know, sometimes when it might be inconvenient for other people or when other people don't care, it doesn't matter. They will pretty much just like bulldoze ahead and do what they want to do and uphold their own expectations of themselves, um, or that they've put on themselves. So they can definitely like count on themselves and they can make sure that they stick to things. So if you're an upholder, you probably don't have a ton of difficulty if you try to create something. You don't have a ton of difficulty um, making it happen. You don't have a ton of difficulty making the game plan and sticking to the game plan and actually just getting shit done, which is great in a lot of ways. People who are not upholders might be listening to this and be like, Ugh, that sounds disgusting. What do you mean? They just like do what they want to do and they do what people expect of them and that's they're that's ugh, that's so restricting uh but upholders don't care <laughs> as Gretchen Rubin says she says for upholders meeting outer and inner expectations doesn't make them feel trapped it makes them feel creative and free because they can execute any plan they want so if that resonates with you then you're probably an upholder uh if it doesn't don't worry, but maybe you know some upholders in your life and you can understand them a little bit better now. Now, it's not to say that upholders like never have trouble sticking to a habit or, or doing something, but that it's just generally easier for them to stick to it and to do so and that they feel happy and they feel good in that space where others might feel restricted or, you know, they might find it harder to do so. So now... It might, again, seem like upholders just have everything perfectly easy. <laughs> um, but obviously there's some struggles that can come along with being an upholder. I think that one of them is that sometimes um, they just blindly will follow the rules or will blindly follow either other people's expectations or or their own expectations or their own sort of schedule or tasks or whatever it is that they've put on themselves. And to me... This is my own interpretation of it, but this is something to be really careful about as an upholder because, of course, that can lead to burnout. Like, if you are not willing to delegate or you kind of know you can and you will get it done yourself, so you just take everything on yourself, well, if you don't manage your energy or you just keep stacking things on, it can be hard to not burn out or it can be hard to stay well with that. And that being said... It can also be hard to adjust. So like if you're an upholder and you create your plan, it maybe work for someone else. Your boss gives you this plan, right? Or you give yourself this plan and you say, I'm going to get this thing done by this date and here's what I'm going to do. And then you realize that you need more time or you realize that you're just really stressed and you need a break. If you don't 
adapt to that, then again, it's a recipe for burnout. So the biggest thing I would say, and that I've observed with upholders is that it's really important to do check-ins with yourself because if you aren't, and if you're not really checking in with yourself and also checking in with others, especially if you do work with others or you find that you're upholding a lot of expectations for others, it's really important to make sure that you're asking yourself, what do I truly need and what do I truly want? And do I need to adjust anything accordingly? You know, yes, if you need to implement a new healthy habit or new space in your life, uphold that. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like instead of just stacking yourself like crazy, Think about what it is that you really need and how you can uphold new habits or boundaries or other things in your life that are going to serve you better so that you don't ever run into a pattern of feeling burnt out or feeling like you get really uneasy about change or routines or anything like that, especially and even if they're not serving you. Like if you're stuck in a routine that's not serving you, but you're not sure about change because you don't like change. We need to make sure that we have regular check-ins so that you can work through that and not feel so bad about moving in and out of routines uh, or moving towards routines that serve you and being able to adjust and tweak things every so often so that you are feeling as mentally and physically well as possible. And of course, reaching your goals. So I'll mention this briefly and we'll go over it a little bit as we move through the four, but upholders, or actually let me say this, each of the four tendencies sort of has like a little bit of a wing or a a variation to another one. So for an upholder, you can have uh, a questioner variation or an obliger variation. And same would go questioners would have an upholder variation and then they would be rebel would be the other one, but questioners and upholders have a connection and obligers and upholders have a connection. So again, upholders, if you're an upholder, you can have a variation, if you will, that is a questioner or is an obliger. So here's an example. So I am a questioner, but I can have upholder variations every so often um, and tendencies every so often, if you will. And so I used to have this thing where like if I started a book, Even if I didn't want to really read the book or I didn't like it, I would have to finish it. Or if I started a TV show that I was getting bored of, it was like a mission to just finish the TV show. Like I really like to like check the box and get it done and finish it. And so sometimes I would basically just do things just for the sake of doing it or because I felt like I should or because I wanted that little like brain stimulation to kind of just like get that thing checked off and have it done. And that could sometimes be a waste of time. Like if I'm spending hours and hours watching a TV show that I don't actually want to watch, but I'm just watching it because I want to finish it, you know, or read a book because I just want to finish it. That is not the ideal thing to be doing. Listen, it's not the worst thing in the world, but it's not ideal, uh, especially if it, if it kind of bleeds into other more important and more time and energy heavy things that you might be doing that you're doing because you feel like you should doing, you should do it without question. Um, because then you're just wasting your time and energy there. So that's something that as a questioner who has like a little upholder variation uh, at times, I, I realize that I do and I know it's something that a lot of upholders will go through. Upholders who have a tendency towards questioners 
um, will find it easier to question the expectations and really think about the expectations, which sometimes can make it easier to reject them or be more okay with change around the expectations. And on the other side, upholders who are obligers will tip towards responding to their outer expectations more than they do their inner expectations. So just to reiterate what this means, outer expectations would be someone placing an expectation on you, you know, like a boss asking something of you, your spouse, your friend, etc. Where an inner expectation would be, I decided to do this thing or I have to do this thing and I'm going to, you know, uphold it for myself or not (laughs) but it's basically inner it's between you and yourself so that is a little bit about upholders and again if you are an upholder you get to see how this really works out in your favor because you can do really well meeting both your inner and your outer expectations if you are an upholder though you do want to be mindful of other people of course because you know you don't want to just plow through all of your expectations and not think about other people or you know being able to change plans and be flexible in those ways because it is important to be adaptable in some areas of your life when you need to be um and also in my eyes I think it's really important to make sure that you are doing check-ins with yourself so that you're not wasting time and energy on things or tasks that no longer serve you that you don't want to do or that are leading you to burnout if you have too much on your plate or if the way you're doing things simply just isn't working or could be more efficient it's really easy again to get stuck in a pattern where you just kind of go 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 and you don't change or you you know you can get it all done so you just do it without really thinking about why you're doing it or how you're doing it um, which is why having those check-ins can be really beneficial so that you can see if there's a better way to do things or you know if there's things that you can let go of or delegate or or things like that so let's go ahead and dive into questioners which I am and the quote that um she has on the questioner page is I'll comply if you convince me why (laughs) and I definitely am a questioner it's very much a but why uh personality type and again questioners will meet their inner expectations but not always their outer expectations um Only their outer expectations when they turned it into inner expectations. So let's talk about what that means. So as we've said, an inner expectation is something that we really figure out within ourselves. And how we would turn an outer expectation into an inner expectation is by basically agreeing with something (laughs) like if we agree with it if we think it's reasonable if we think it makes sense if in our brains it's like yep that's right then we'll go along with it because for us it's also an inner expectation so for instance I again I'm a questioner and you know every freaking doctor's appointment it's like arrive 15 minutes early and blah 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 but a lot of times, at least in my doctor, my experiences, it always runs late. So for me, I'm not trying to arrive 15 minutes early to an appointment that's going to be a half hour late anyway. So I'm sitting in the waiting room for 45 minutes. Now, an upholder might see the rules of the doctor's office and be like, I have to be there 15 minutes early. No questions asked. That is the rule. I'm showing up 15 minutes early. I'm always on time. A questioner is going to be like, um, no, this doesn't make sense. And now, I want to just preface as well that each questioner is going to have their own like moral compass um, or their own little detector as to what is reasonable. So you might be a questioner and not agree with what I'm saying here, but I can still paint the picture of like for me, I look at that and I see I know they're always late. 
I know they don't actually want me to show up 15 minutes early because it's not going to do anything. I'm going to be waiting anyway. So I'm just going to show up at the time of my appointment and it is what it is, right? So for me, my inner expectation, I don't have an inner expectation to show up 15 minutes early because I know the pattern. And so I, my inner expectation for myself is just to show up on time, like at the time of the appointment. So this is just an example, as I've said. And the thing is, though, that it can, of course, vary. Like sometimes I will uphold the outer expectations as they are set if I agree with it. Here's an even better example I can give you guys. If you've been watching my Instagram stories lately, you've seen that I'm actually doing a functional medicine liver detox. And I've done these detoxes for like three or four years now. I do them all the time. And um, not all the time, like every quarter. If you want to learn more about them, feel free to DM me. We're not going to talk about that specifically on this episode. But just to paint the picture a little bit. Normally on the detox, you have two days of shake fasting And then the rest of the days, if you're doing it for seven days, the rest of the days would be, um, include meals. It wouldn't just be shake fasting. It would include meals. Now, ever since I started doing the detox, I do not fast because my body doesn't like it. I can't really do it. That's all you really need to know. I don't fast. I choose not to fast. I don't think it's the best choice for me. So I'm breaking the rule there, right? The rule, quote unquote, of the detox is this is how you do it. Days one and two, you fast. I don't do that. I break that rule. Now, the detox also comes with a recommended list of foods that you eat so that you can keep your digestion easy. You can make sure that you're eating really nutritious foods during it. It's not super restrictive, but it does exclude some uh, fruits and vegetables and other foods. And, you know, like it's mostly like you can eat fruits and veggies, but you're not supposed to eat a bunch of like junk food and stuff like that. Um, And it's only for a week. So it's just like recommended um, guidelines for the foods. Well, I do follow that pretty closely. Occasionally I'll make an exception here or there. For instance, you're not supposed to have strawberries because they're higher in carbs. And a lot of people do this to lose weight or just detoxify water weight and stuff like that. And my frozen berry mix happens to have strawberries in it. I'm not going to pick out all the strawberries, right? Okay, I'll break the rules a little there. Um, but I had seen someone who, uh, she she's an herbalist and she has a pretty big platform. Some of you guys might know who this is. But she recently did one. And she was talking about it. And when she was doing it, she had posted on her stories that she was eating pasta like gluten-free pasta and I was like that's not allowed (laughs) I was like how could you break the rules like that that is so not allowed on the detox and uh it's not it's not on the food list but that was definitely an instance where like for me my inner expectation was like well I'm not just gonna throw out the food list I'm gonna follow the food list because I want to do it right I want to follow these rules meanwhile of course in my own brain I'm I'm tweaking. What do I think is acceptable? What do I, what rules am I going to follow? You know, I'm picking and choosing them clearly because I'm not actually even fasting. So I'm not even doing it 100% right, so to say, but there's still some rules and still some expectations that I have that I do want to follow. So you can see within that example, just literally the questioner to a T of me essentially just deciding like, what do I feel is an appropriate, is reasonable, works for me that I'm going to do and that I'm going to follow and what I'm going to uphold as an expectation. So inner expectations are easy to meet for questioners because they've rationalized it. If they're expecting it of themselves, they know that it's something that they want to do that makes sense. So they'll they'll uphold it. 
And usually they will meet outer expectations that are well justified because it basically becomes an inner expectation at that point. So again, if an outer expectation just doesn't seem to make sense to questioners, they're going to question it. They're going to be like, why would I do that? And they will either make it work for them or they'll just like not, not follow it at all. So once they accept the reasons for an expectation though, they'll pretty much go through with it and be self-directed and be able to you know, do what they need to do. So it's not like they need a boss or they need someone holding their hand. Like once, because they will uphold those inner expectations, once they're on board with whatever it is that they're gonna do or they're expected to do, they will do it. So if you are a questioner or if you're dealing with a questioner, one of the most basic things, it can seem kind of confusing because you're like, dang, they question everything. So you don't know like what's gonna go with it. But the biggest thing is, actually just that. You could flip it on its head and just say, oh, if I'm dealing with a questioner, I just need to answer all their questions so that they can make a decision that works for them and they can meet this expectation. They can feel comfortable with it. Or, you know, if they absolutely won't, we can find a solution that does. Um, And if you are one, make sure you're asking questions, make sure you're doing what you need to do to figure out like what makes sense for you and, and how you can wrap your brain around things, how you can rationalize things how you can figure out if things are reasonable for you. And if they're not, figure out what would be reasonable for you. Something else that questioners will do is just like research the heck out of everything. So especially purchases. It's so funny because my dad totally does this and I do this too. (laughs) Not to like an extreme, but I definitely do this. Like if I'm going to buy something, I'm going to read the reviews. I'm going to make sure that it's worth buying. I'm going to compare the models. I'm going to make sure I'm getting like the best thing that I'm going to get. And Uh, A lot of questioners will do this. Other people might not care as much. They might just make the decision, but questioners will will really go full force to like do that research and um, to make sure that they are doing what they want to do and going with the best option for them. The biggest thing is that questioners need to know the why. It's not just about the what. It's not just do this. It's why do I need to do this? Why should I do this? What is this going to matter to me. And that being said, something else that Gretchen mentions in her book is that basically questions questioners want to make up their own minds even when given expert advice. So if you're a questioner and you have a coach, you, you know, will probably listen to your coach's advice, but you want to make sure that you're asking the coach all the questions and really talking through the coach with the coach whatever you need to make your decision as opposed to just like you're not you're not going to be someone who someone just tells you go do this and then you just do it. You have to talk it through. You have to make sure it's right for you. You have to ask why. You have to get the information. And you're not going to take the advice unless it actually makes sense in your brain to do so. So if you are a questioner who has a coach, keep that in mind and ask for what you need. If you're coaching a questioner, make sure you keep that in mind as too. They're not just going to like automatically accept your authority or listen to you like blindly. They might need to talk about it a little bit more. And ultimately it has to be their decision. Like they have to make the decision. I'm going to do this. This is right for me. This makes sense. All that stuff. Now, when it comes to weaknesses, I think that some questioners can be seen as stubborn or just simply like, rebellious because if they don't follow expectations uh, or they ask a lot of questions a lot of other people can find it annoying or inconvenient or just want them to stop questioning things or want them to just like follow the rules Um, and I think some questioners can become rebellious they can tip into having a little bit of a rebel wing and so they can become rebellious just thinking oh you know this is a new rule well I'm just gonna like not follow it uh, until I 
like it or somebody gives a reason for me to like it or I decide that I like it. But it's it's about the choice. And this is really funny too. We were talking about upholders not wanting change. I'm going to give examples from my own life just because I can and I feel like it's helpful to understand things. So upholders don't like change that much. And um, as we've established, questioners, they can wing into being an upholder and they can wing into being a rebel. And when it comes to uh, change for questioners, they might not mind it as much because, you know, they can be more flexible. They're they're asking questions. They're deciding things. But I think it also has to be their idea. At least for me, this is the case. And it's funny because I see myself maybe tipping into an upholder there for a second where um, a little while ago or actually at the beginning of this year, my parents had rearranged uh, their living room, dining room situation and they had basically swapped a room. And at first I was like, not really on board. I, I, I didn't love the change. I didn't like the change. And it was funny because a couple of people in my family were like, you don't really like change. But then once I saw the vision or like once I started having ideas for it then I'm like fully on board and I I joke about this with myself too basically the moral of the story is like I don't like change unless I'm initiating the change (laughs) if the change is my idea perfect if it is thrust upon me I don't want it get it away stay away Uh, and I think that is very much questioner um but again you know it can be hard for questioners or working with questioners if you just feel like this person is just like blatantly not doing what you want them to do or being difficult or asking a ton of questions just for the sake of it. So if you're a questioner, watch out for that. You know, you want to be respectful of other people. And if you're working with questioners, just know that that's how their brain works and they got to work around that a little bit. So we've talked about the wings a little bit. As we said, questioners can um, be like an upholder as well. And essentially with that, it means that they can be persuaded pretty easily to meet an expectation (laughs) and with a questioner rebel that's a little bit more about like rejecting things and um resisting things because they don't want to be controlled and we'll talk about rebels in just a second here but you can just see that kind of coming in if questioners are challenging things so aggressively they're kind of tipping into like the rebel (laughs) tendency um so that being said Uh, obviously questioners can be a mix you could be a mix of any of these wings I think I definitely have a little bit of questioner rebel and questioner upholder in me I'm not quite sure if that's how it works but I'm pretty I I feel like I identify with both of those things um so you can definitely see it tip in either direction but let's go ahead and now dive into the rebels so you can start to understand them a little bit more so rebels are quite unique in that they resist all expectations both outer and inner expectations. The main thing with rebels is that they want to do what they want to do and they want to do it in their own way, their own style, their own time frame, and they don't want to listen to other people. So if somebody tells them to do something, they're not going to do it. And um, the tricky part though, because that's very much like questioners as we've established, the tricky part though is that rebels also sometimes won't uphold things within themselves. So it's hard to get anything done (laughs) I mean we all know what a rebel is like we've heard the word rebel before they're going against the grain they're acting out they're um you know not doing what people tell them to do and that is basically what a, a rebel is in this case too um, Gretchen writes, rebels want to act from a sense of choice, freedom, and self-expression. They wake up and think, what do I feel like doing right now? They resist control, even self-control, and often enjoy flouting rules, expect- expectations, and conventions. So 
it's tricky because when you think about that, it really just positions rebels in, in my opinion, in a kind of like difficult, hard, hard way, not just for other people, but also for themselves. Like you might be thinking if you're a rebel, oh, well that sucks because I, you know, I can't get anything done, it sounds like. And that's not necessarily true. Again, it's just about like knowing how you work and what you need to do to make sure that you are honoring yourself. And so with Rebels, it's not that you won't do anything ever at any time. It's mostly that you just have to find a way to do it that works for you. You have to do it uh, in a way that you like or that is fun for you or that like meets your own challenge and you know maybe you're an entrepreneur and that's challenging for you and you can kind of like make your own framework and your own schedule and all of these things and that works for you as a rebel because you get a lot of pleasure by just doing your thing <laughs> and doing it the way that you want to do it and so the ability to make that choice is really really helpful so you get to choose what you're doing now of course sometimes rebels will get into trouble because they make the choice of just going against what they are told to do or what they should do because they don't want to be told what to do so you want to watch out for that for sure as a rebel I feel like with rebels there's a lot of like I had this one theater teacher who said that I sucked and never gave me the part and so I'm doing it to give them the big middle finger. Like, <laughs> like you hear those stories from a lot of musicians. I definitely had that story at one point. I don't really hold on to that anymore. But like, it's sort of the story of like, they said I couldn't and so I am. Uh, that is very rebel to me. Now, a lot of rebels can be change makers, I think, and can use their voice and their opinions uh, for a lot of good and change in the world. So rebels can be really powerful. And of course, rebels can also kind of get themselves into trouble because if they're just endlessly resisting things, they can kind of cause harm to themselves. Like, again, if you're doing something that you don't want to do just because you somebody is telling you or you just like feel like you should, so you're not gonna, it's not always in your best interest. So if you are a rebel, I think that the easiest thing to think about it or the easiest way to think about it is like you kind of got to play mind games with yourself. You kind of have to trick yourself into thinking, how can I do this in a way that is going to work for me and for my brain? Whether you need to feel like you're proving someone or society wrong, whether you feel like you, you're doing it because you want to and it's fun and, and you're making the choice to do it. So you always have to figure out how can I figure out how to do what I want to do in a way that works for me and feels like I am making the choice to do it. So for instance, growing up all the time, if somebody asked me, if my mom said, oh, can you load the dishwasher? I would be like, no, probably not. I'll do it in my own time. You know, I wouldn't say no, but I would just be like, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do it in my own time though when I'm ready to do it. And, and every time she would ask, I would go further away from doing it. Every single time. If she asked again, no. She has another time? Absolutely not. Nope, 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 nope. And it might seem just flat out difficult, but it's literally in a lot of ways just how my brain works. Like I don't want to feel like I'm being controlled as a questioner who can swing into rebel occasionally. In those instances, I don't want to feel controlled. I don't want to feel like suffocated. I don't want to be told what to do. And so I simply rebel. However, it doesn't mean that I never do this ever. If I'm, you know, when I'm home alone in my own house and I have my own priorities, I will keep it sparkling clean and I will do the dishes uh, when I want to do the dishes and I will uphold all of those things because I'm making the choice to do it and I have a good reason for doing it. 
that's the questioner part of it too. But you know, if you need to make it fun or if you need to just determine how this works for you and how you're going to make it work for you, that is so, so important as a rebel. And if you're a rebel who's working with a coach, that's also something I would tell your coach and be really honest about. Now, you don't want to trap yourself in this box of like, I'm a rebel. So I mean, rebels don't really like labels, I think as it is, but don't, I wouldn't get too stuck in the identity of any of these things. Um, and just, you know, avoid change or, or again, put yourself in a box of like, well, I'm a rebel, so I can never do anything that anybody tells me. Cause then you're just like screwing yourself over for no reason. Um, and that's not who we are. You know what I mean? We're not labels. Uh, these things just help us learn more about ourselves. And that's why we use them. But if you are a rebel and you know that a coach telling you to do something is not going to hold you accountable, it's going to make you probably less accountable. Um, or if you know that you're not going to stay accountable to yourself once you hang up with the coach, you want to just be upfront about what it is that you need. And when you're speaking with your coach, and again, if you're a coach speaking to a rebel, try to just use language that allows them to make the decision. You know, here's a couple options of what we could do. What do you think? What feels fun to you? How can we make this fun? And um, having that from both sides of the relationships, if you're a rebel or working with a rebel, is going to be really helpful to get the most results there and to help you stay accountable and feel supported and really just feel aligned with what you're doing. So the other place that rebels can go is into the obligers tendency, which is the last one. So Gretchen writes that rebel obligers have a stronger dose of contrariness, of pushing back, of evading control. So the obliger and rebel tendencies both resist inner expectations, a state that fuels resentment and resistance. So for this reason, they're more likely to insist you can't make me even if it's something that a rebel really wants to do. <laughs> um, so it makes it even harder for rebel obligers to meet those inner expectations, whereas rebels or rebel questioners might meet their inner expectations more once it makes sense to them and once they can really feel good about doing it. So you want to watch out for that if you are a rebel obliger. Now, that being said, let's talk a little bit about obligers. So obligers are the last tendency and they meet outer expectations and resist inner expectations. So what does that look like? Basically, they will meet the expectations imposed by others. A coach's dream and accountability is the best friend to obligers, but they struggle to meet their own expectations. So it sounds pretty straightforward, you know what I mean? Like, you never will um, miss a coaching call if you're in a coaching program. Like, you will attend every coaching call, but once the program's over, you can't actually implement anything. Or if you join a self-paced course, you can't follow through with it, you can't stick with a program, you can't actually continue on that path and make things happen. So it can feel really hard to get things done without that accountability. For obligers, accountability is key. It is the number one thing that you need in order to stay on track with anything that you want because it's the inner expectations that really pose a challenge here and that really help uh, or really hurt you when you're trying to get things done but you're trying to do it all by yourself. <laughs> so it can be really helpful if you are an obliger to learn about this because I really do think in a lot of ways it can be an easy fix quote unquote. But if you feel like you're someone who you know you're trying to do your New Year's habit or you're trying to make yourself do yoga every day or you want to um, show up every day on social media and you really want to like implement these things or get these things done, but you just cannot seem to stick to it. It's okay. Like you're not weird. You're not abnormal. It's okay. It's totally normal. But we have to just acknowledge this and say, and see if it, it is something that you really want to really, really want to get done. 
accountability can help a ton with this. Uh, And creating that outer accountability will essentially help you to do what you want to do. So you're changing that accountability from just being an inner thing to an outer thing so that you follow through with it. Again, we got to work with our brains. <laughs> Sometimes we got to trigger our brains or we got to rejigger things or we got to see through things and question things so that we, who, whatever our tendency is, feel good about doing it. Now, like upholders, obligers can be incredible in that they will show up to everything on time. They will get shit done that their boss tells them to do or that's expected of them in an outer obligation type of way. But they can get themselves into trouble because when it comes to inner expectations, if they're not upholding it, they're also just not putting themselves first. Like obligers can tend towards burnout in the sense that if you are doing everything for everyone else and you're not doing anything for yourself, of course you're going to burn out or you're going to start to feel resentful or you're just not going to actually move forward in any meaningful way in your own life. You're just going to be doing everything for everyone else. And Sometimes that can feel really easy and like fulfilling in some ways, but at the end of the day, if you feel like you're not actually doing anything for yourself and you're not able to put yourself first, again, it can lead to burnout. It can lead to other issues coming up. You know, if you are doing something constantly for your spouse or your friend or your coworker or whatever, and then you're doing it because it's an expectation and you're doing it because you will, but you start to reach a point where you just feel like, you haven't given any time to yourself or you haven't done anything for yourself or nobody's doing anything to you, you could probably crack, you know? You could probably have a moment where things feel really frustrating and you feel sad or angry or burnt out or any of those things. And we obviously don't wish that upon anyone. Moral of the story of Ligers is that you deserve everything too. And even if you feel like you don't do things for yourself because you're not staying accountable to yourself, we just got to put that accountability in, you know, get a coach, get get a team, get a group, get people around you who will help you stay accountable, get an accountability buddy who will help you stay accountable so that you can stick to whatever it is that you want to do for yourself and not just be doing everything for others or with others or whatever it is. So again, obligers can tend to be an upholder as well or wing to be an upholder. And I'm actually just going to read straight from the book here because Gretchen says, well, it might seem that obliger upholders would feel more pressure to meet all expectations and therefore experience more resentment and burnout. In fact, the opposite is true. Obliger tip to upholders tend to have a clearer sense of their own capacities and desires and a greater ability to say no just as upholders can say no. So that's good. (laughs) We love to see that. And maybe that's you. Maybe you're resonating with that. And then again, reading from the book, she says, by contrast, obliger rebels have more of external expectations um, or excuse me, they are, they don't like more external expectations and they feel more resentful about other people's demands. So like rebels, they often feel pushed around and they find it hard to count on themselves and they react to any sense of coercion or control or anything like that. So they will show some rebellion. So that gives you a little bit of insight into obligers and into the four tendencies as a whole. And I wanted to keep this episode short. We're already at like 45 minutes here. (laughs) So I'm going to wrap it up and I'm going to tell you, number one, share with me what your, um, what your tendency is, because I really want to know what your tendency is and any stories that you have about how this is showing up for your life. Um, and especially anything that you've noticed from listening to this episode that you think is going to help you be able to stay accountable, stay on track, and just give yourself a little bit more 
grace and compassion as you navigate through the world and through your music business. And I also highly recommend, if you want to dive deeper into this, getting Gretchen Rubin's book. It is wonderful, and it's going to help you learn more about what we talked about today, but also learn how to deal with others. And I use that very lightly. It's not like we have to deal with people, but you know what I mean. Like, in a work setting or in a friendship or spouse setting, you want to make sure that you are honoring the other person's tendencies as well and being able to work efficiently, effectively, and communicate well with them. So the book will talk all about that uh, in much more depth than we're able to go into today. So that is our episode on the four tendencies. We will be back with more on all of our personal development series in the next few weeks as we start to tie it all together and talk about how what all of this information means in terms of manifesting, growing our businesses, selling, and operating in a very, very hands-on, tangible sense in our businesses and in our lives. So this has been amazing. This is the last episode where we're going to go specifically into one specific modality Uh, for now at least, (laughs) but in our series. And as I said, in the next few episodes, we're going to start to really, really tie it together and talk about how we can use these in much more tangible ways. I mean, what we've been talking about has been very tangible, but we're going to talk about how it can apply to manifestation, goal setting, growing our businesses, selling, and all of that juicy stuff. So stay tuned. So much good stuff is coming, and I cannot wait to bring this uh, the next few episodes to you on the podcast. So if you've loved this episode and you've loved our series and you love this podcast in general, go ahead and give us a rating review. It means absolutely so much to me to hear what you think of the podcast and be able to share it with even more people who it might help. And one more thing, let me know. I think what I'm going to do when this comes out is I'm going to create a little graphic on stories where you can share all of your juicy things that you learned during this series. You know, your Enneagram, your astrology, your tendency, all of that stuff. I just think it would be fun if we all shared it. Um, and we can maybe see some patterns or just see what you learned and everything like that. So I'll probably post that on my stories or the Out To Be Podcast stories uh, in the next few days when this episode comes out. So look out for that and post it. I really want you guys to reshare. Like I am dying to know what all of your guys' stuff is. (laughs) So you have to let me know. All right, without any further ado, I'm gonna let you guys go. I will talk to you all next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Out To Be Podcast. If you like this episode, be sure to share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, rate and review it on Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. That really helps us spread the message and get this podcast out to even more women in music. For more information on coaching services, head to katiezacardi.com. See you next week.